0: on the cross. I'm not sure how many here have ever sat with someone or stood and talked to someone and you had the sneaky feeling like you were being scammed. I've had that experience before. I sat with an individual, seemed like a credible fellow. My wife and I sat there and talked with him. And for a moment, I thought, I don't think this guy has my best interest in mind. It happened about 15 years ago when we were buying our first home. And we had done some research on our own. We had seen what we needed to to buy a house. We kind of knew what kind of a home that we could buy um, back in that day and in that economy. And with all that work being done on our side, we went into this young man's office. And he started to tell us, oh, no, you can buy a house much, much nicer than that. He started to tell me of how much money I could get a loan for, of how big of a house I could have, and it just wasn't computing. Now, my wife is better with numbers than I am, and she's quicker at most things than I am anyway, but it took me a while to catch on to what he was saying, and I finally had kind of some red flags going up as I had this conversation with this one that I wasn't sure I could trust, and I asked this question about buying the house. I said, at what point do I own the house? And he said, oh, you never own the house, just like that. Now, I am on the slow side, like I said, but for me, I don't want to pay a mortgage at all, let alone pay a mortgage where I am in debt for the rest of my life and then beyond that. There likely is a place for some people for a no-interest loan. Possibly that was beneficial for some people. For me... I didn't want to be in debt in the first place, let alone have a debt that I'd be paying off forever and never have anything to show for it except for I just paid some rent to live in that house for a while. We're going to look into God's Word today, and I want to warn you because we're going to look at a debt that if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior has been applied to you, and you will never be able to to completely pay it off. It will always be there. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, I've got a debt to Jesus Christ because He died on the cross. I'm okay with that. Well, the bad news is, is this debt is actually to some sinners. This debt is going to be very, very hard for some of us to pay. And yet, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 13 13, as he's leading up to give us the details of the problem in Rome. Now, if you've been around for our series in Romans, you understand what the problem is because I mentioned why I thought we had the book from the start of our study. They had fights going on at that church. Specifically, that problem was between Jews and Gentiles. There were some who were Jews that thought the Gentiles were wrong in what they were doing. And some that were Gentiles that thought the Jews were wrong in what they were doing. And they could not get this problem settled. Here's what's beautiful about what the Apostle Paul does. We'll talk about this a little bit right now, and I'll close by talking about it. It's so applicable for us today. The Apostle Paul probably could have just stepped in and solved their problem. Let me tell you guys what the Bible says. Here's how you fix it. But Paul doesn't do that. He knows what the problem is. He knows the answer to the, solution, to the solution to that problem. But Paul does something amazing. Instead of playing the apostle card and saying, do this, he gives them something that they can do for that problem and for the next problem down the road and for the next problem down the road and the one after that. Not only that, he gives us something that we can do as followers of Jesus Christ today. But as I said before, it's a little bit of a bitter pill. It's hard for us. Now it's worth it because it is God's plan. But it's hard because it's going, to involve, it's going to involve you giving something that you likely will not want to give. The problem in their church, they had an urgent need. They needed unity. And we're going to see today that unity can be accomplished not just by that one problem between the Jews and Gentiles, But unity can be accomplished in any group of believers when love is demonstrated. All that to take us to Romans chapter 13. This is a beautiful place for us to go. It's clearly about love. Now, there's a lot of colorful language here. There are a whole lot of opportunities for what I would call rabbit trails. Should we talk about adultery? Should we talk about, um, you know, debt? But I think it's fair as we read through verses 8 through 14 that you'll see Paul uses several examples to point us to the main idea, and that main main idea is that we need to have unity and that's going to come when we demonstrate love. A couple of things that I see, first of all, when we talk about being loving, the first thing that he starts with is we need to express love in order to satisfy God's law. Some of us hear the word law, and we we kind of tense up when we hear that. And yet, one of the reasons why we are to show love to our brothers and sisters is to fulfill the law of Christ. Look at verse number eight. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. We're not going to rabbit trail and talk about owe no one anything. This means you can never take a loan from anyone ever. I don't think that's the principle that's being taught. In fact, here, what's being taught is about love. He's trying to say, if you know Jesus Christ, you are in debt. And what you need to be paying to others around you is love. We just finished talking about what you owe to the government. You owe your taxes. You owe respect and honor to them. Some of you are glad we're past that section in Romans. Now he goes into the area of what you owe not to the government, but what you owe to all men. Believers especially, and even unbelievers. This is what you owe, you owe love. Occasionally we hear about the law. Occasionally I'll come across somebody who is trying to live by the Old Testament law. Those story, stories usually stand out to me. Somebody says, oh man, I, I gave up catfish and I, you know, I gave up crawfish and those usually don't last very long. It's just, it's just not sustainable. Paul's not talking about the Old Testament law here. Instead, he's talking about something that we call the law of love or better, the law of Christ. How is it that you can fulfill? How can you keep the law of Christ? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 tells us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And honestly, the reason why we can do this on this level, this this is a horizontal level. I can show you love and you can show me love. We can do this horizontally only because God demonstrated this vertically. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. He did nothing wrong. He did not deserve that punishment on the cross or death or the humility. The only reason that He did it was because He loves you. Christ demonstrated this vertically, and now you and I can do it to each other. We can demonstrate love. Don't think of the law and love as enemies. Think of them as a beautiful song. When I think of a beautiful song, I think of the melody and oftentimes we get blessed by hearing the harmony. Melody and harmony working together. That's the law and love working together. In my study for this, I came across this quote that I think just sums it up well. The law points us to the gospel so we can be saved by Christ. And then Christ points us to the law so that we can know how to love. God's plan is beautiful and is perfect. And then we we find some details. Here in the book of Romans, He doesn't just say love. He gives us the details of how we're supposed to love. He gives us, first of all, details of how we can make peace. If we love someone, we need to have a peaceful relationship. That's starting in verse 9. Look at it with me. For the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the fulfilling of the law. There it is again. Two things that we're going to see how you can show love, and this is the heart of the message. First of all, you need to be a peacemaker. He lists several things there in 9 and 10. Do not commit adultery. The way that this is showing love is when you see someone and there would be a temptation there, a lust for a man or a woman that's not your spouse. If they have a marriage, you should be happy for them that they have that marriage. You should want their marriage to succeed. And the opposite of that is I want to commit adultery with them. He says here, don't murder. We've talked through this before. When he says don't murder, where does that come from? Where does it start? It starts from hate. And so you're going to be required to show love by being a peacemaker by forgiving someone. Even when they didn't ask for forgiveness. You do not allow that dislike, that, that problem between you to fester. They might not even know about it. They might not even ask you for forgiveness. Hold on a second. They might not even agree with you that you need to forgive them. Be a peacemaker. Forgive them. The Word of God says love covers a multitude of sins. And honestly, if you're going to be working with people in a church, you're going to apply that a lot, or else you're going to be awfully busy going with every single problem you have. You've got to let love cover that in your relationship. We are to be peacemakers. And then also, we are to be building others up. I jumped ahead to chapter 14 and chapter 15 to to pull this in. But I thought it was appropriate because when we talk about showing love, we need to be peacemakers, but it can't stop there. If I can use this expression, it's the least you can do. The least you can do is get along. But who wants to be part of a church that's just simply getting along? Paul's going to tell them this is how your church can prosper. Get along, don't murder, don't covet, don't commit adultery. Be happy for those people when they have things you don't. Be a peacemaker, but then beyond that, we need to be building into them. Would you look at chapter 14 with me in verse number 19? So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And then look at chapter 15 in verse number 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. This idea of love has these two key components, being a peacemaker and then investing in someone. Our culture has hijacked the word love. They've hijacked this and many Christians have bought into it. How many times have you heard someone talk about wanting to be done with their marriage and they say, I just don't love them anymore? And when they say that, they're using the word love as an affection, an emotion that they had at one point, I don't feel that way anymore. The Bible references love as an emotion a very few times. The vast majority of the time the Bible talks about love, it talks about love as a command. That's what we're saying here today. Love is a command. Commanded to be peacemakers, commanded to be building in to others. And there are too many people who are followers of Christ that have the wrong idea about how they think people around them will be attracted to Christ. Some people who are Christians trying to live a good life, following the Lord. They think, if I just have the right list of thou shouts and thou shalt nots, then people are going to come flocking to the Lord Jesus Christ. If they can just see my holy life, see the standards that I have, that's going to be a big draw to them. And yet God's Word tells us something very, very different. God's Word says that if you want people that don't know Jesus to be attracted to your Jesus by your life, they will know that you're a follower of Christ by your love one for another. And not the superficial love that anybody can show. Not just getting along, most of us want to get along. Not just being nice and generous, but going a step deeper. Amazingly allowing yourself to give with no expectation that anything will come in return. I was reading a book uh, yesterday that talked about the connection between love and listening. And it was amazing. My wife bought me this book for for Christmas, and I'm not through with it. I'll loan it to you if you want um, after I'm done with it. It's called The Mr. Rogers Effect, which I think we could all learn from a little bit, by Dr. Anita Coonley. I want to read for you a section of what she says and how she ties love to listening, which just to be fair, most of us are not good at. Most of us are not good at listening. We're kind of waiting for them to finish talking so we can talk, right? Most of us, when we're in an argument, we're not really interested in hearing what they have to say. We're interested in making our point. Listen to how she ties this idea of love to listening. In order to listen well to our neighbors, we need to listen not only with our ears, but also with a desire to truly understand what it is like to see life through their eyes, experience life through their skin. We need to listen to understand what it is like to walk around in their world. And listen to how she closes this thought. And being heard feels so similar to being loved that for many people the distinction goes unnoticed. To love others is a decision and an investment, and it's hard. And Paul is going to tell these believers, this is what you guys need to do. He doesn't just solve their problem. He gives them a recipe to solve any problem in the future. There needs to be love that is there. Church health requires more than the least we could do. It requires that we make peace constantly, never stop doing it, and that we're constantly building others up. And then the Apostle Paul kind of shifts a little bit, and he tells us to be looking to be looking for some things, looking out for some things, and honestly, just looking. That's how he starts. He starts by telling us that we need to look so that we're not caught off guard. In chapter 13 and verse 11, we see this. Listen to the verbiage here. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand." Here Paul references the coming of Jesus Christ. If you've not been encouraged by the coming of Jesus Christ recently, let's spend just a moment talking about that. There are three different times when we look in God's Word that we find Jesus Christ coming. The first time we celebrate every December in the Incarnation. Jesus Christ, God the Son, took on human flesh, and He came to this world. And the reason why Jesus came to the world that first time was so that He could be the Savior of the world. When we fast forward to the end of the New Testament, we find the upcoming time when He is going to come to the earth. Revelation 19.11 says that He's going to come as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the next time Jesus comes back to the earth. It's also referenced in Zechariah. But between his incarnation when he comes as king of kings and lord of lords, he's going to come, but he's going to stop short. Are you familiar with where he stops? Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to stop in the clouds. He's going to stop in the sky. And it's at that point that we are taken up to be with him. Does anybody here wish it was today? Right now, right? Oh, how wonderful would that be? It might be today. It could be today. Paul references this. He writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen, come today, Lord. Romans 13 is referencing the coming of Jesus Christ in the clouds, which could happen at any time. So can I role play with you just for a moment? Let's say he comes back today or tomorrow. I know my tone doesn't reflect excitement there, but I want you to hear the question that you need to be prepared for what have you been busy doing in the past year with your time. If you're standing before God and talking with Him, if you're saved, you will not answer for your sins that was taken care of on the cross. The blood of Christ covered your sins, but you will stand before Him and you will give an account for what you did with what He's given you the time and the resources. The last 12 months. And we will get rewards. We won't get punishment. We will get rewards. But let's just imagine that Jesus said to you, what have you been doing for the past 12 months? Well, Lord, you know, I've been trying to pay off some debt for the past 12 months. Been pretty busy with that. Well, Father, you you know all things. You know this hobby that I have. This hobby that really puts wind in my sails, just cheers me up. I've been putting a lot of time and effort into that. Well, Lord, I've read in the Bible how you want us to be good workers. I've been working for the past 12 months just hard on building my business, hard on climbing the ladder in my job. And none of those things are bad things. But when you stand before God, you will not stand there and stick your chest out and brag on that wake up. That's what Paul says here. Wake up. Time is short. Don't you know what time it is? He says, wake up. And when you get up, take off those pajamas. And when you put something else on, you need to put on the armor of God. Wake up from your sleep, get dressed for battle, because the place where you and I have been put is right smack in the middle of enemy territory. Be ready, be alert. We look to not be caught off guard, and then we look to keep aware of dangers. Look at verse, uh, part way into verse 12. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. I mentioned earlier there's all kinds of opportunities for rabbit trails, but I think what you need to notice here in this text is is the contrast. We have a contrast of things that are done in the daytime that God wants us to be busy doing, deeds of light, and things that are done at night, drunkenness, immorality. These are things that usually take place at night. We are children of light. The wonderful practice that we find here that can be applied so many times throughout your life. At my workplace, I have a little card and it says, put off, put on. That's the principle we find here. You need to be recognizing the things in this world that you need to be taking off, the things that are slowing down your race. We take those things off and then we put on the things that are going to help us run the race so that we can win. We look out for dangers, and then finally it closes by telling us that we look out so we can know the path to success. Look at verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So next time we're going to look at the specific problem they had. If you've been around for our study in Romans, you know they were squabbling about what they could eat, and what they could not eat, right? He's going to mention that in verse four, in chapter 14. We're going to look at it. But beautifully, before he mentions the specific problem, he gives the solution. And as I said before, the Apostle Paul is not interested in just saying, hey guys, I see you got a problem. Here's what God wants you to do. Boom, move on. Instead, he gives them something that I think they would apply for years to come. And what that is, is they need to be looking to brothers and sisters, and they need to be loving. And then when they're done with that, they need to love some more and love some more and love some more. Because every month and every year, you never have that debt paid off. You owe it to your brothers and sisters in Christ to work to make peace. And you owe it to them to build into them that they have purpose and a reason for being in this world, you help them with that. It kind of reminds me of that old expression, you, you give a man a fish and he eats for a day, and you teach a man to fish, and he eats for a lifetime. What is needed when we face problems? Love. Love. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how often we think of your love for us. When we come to you, it's almost sometimes just a natural reaction to thank you for your love. Father, we do that this day. We have mentioned what you did in sending your son, Jesus Christ. We have mentioned the price that he paid. Demonstrating this vertically so that we could do it horizontally. Lord, I look forward to talking to some of these believers in the church in Rome someday and seeing how they responded to this and to seeing if they took that method and used it down the road for something else that came up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your plan of the church. It will be here until Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds for us and you've given us this beautiful avenue to deal with ourselves, to deal with problems. And we thank you that you give us this ability to love. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you a chance to pray. Just take a moment to pray this morning. While the piano plays through, I'll give you a couple topics. Obviously, there might have been something in this message today, whether it be forgiveness, becoming a peacemaker, um, going on the offensive and building up someone. Maybe you can pray about that. You might be here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He died on the cross because you are a sinner and you can be forgiven by simply asking for it. You don't bring anything to the cross. You just simply accept that forgiveness. Ask Him to forgive you and make you His son or His daughter. And He promises He will. Take a moment to pray. Amen.